Hello and welcome to the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for those people who want to improve their English by listening to native English speakers talking about a range of subjects. We also hope that at the same time you will learn more about life in this country. This is season three of the podcast and in this season we are interviewing a number of interesting people who have had different experiences and jobs. We strongly recommend that you listen to this podcast at least two or three times, one of which you could do using the transcript, which is available from our website, the details of which will be given at the end of this episode. In this episode, a new member of our team, Peter, interviews Holly Lynch, who is the Member of Parliament for Halifax. In previous episodes of the podcast, we've talked about elections in the UK. And more recently, Mark spoke to Jane Scullion of Calderdale Council about local government. In this episode, we're going to look at national government, and in particular, the role of the Member of Parliament, or MP. So I've been joined by Holly Lynch, the MP for Halifax. Uh, Holly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good afternoon. Um, So uh, Holly's going to talk to us a little bit today about what it means to be an MP in the UK. Uh, But before we get into that, Holly, how and possibly why did you become an MP? Well, it's a really good question. It was never that I had aspirations of being a politician I studied history and politics at university, but I was getting increasingly political and it was that sense of if something's not fair or it doesn't work properly and you can see how something could be changed for the better, but it's not being changed for the better. Politics to me was a way of doing those things. And when my predecessor, so that is the MP before me, Linda Reardon, announced that she was standing down quite close to the general election in 2015, It was a big decision to think, shall I throw my hat in the ring? Shall I submit an application form to try and be the Labour Party's candidate? And I did that. And it was just a six-day selection period. And then I had six weeks to try and convince members of the general public and Halifax to vote for me at that election. So it was never a sense that I really wanted to be a politician, rather that when the opportunity presented itself, It was a a chance to really make a difference and do some good. And so I seized that opportunity with both hands. And that that was in 2015, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. And so since 2015, um, you've been the Member of Parliament, the MP representing Halifax, which I think is a a constituency. So the area you you represent is about 70,000 people. and you represent all of them, whether they supported you and voted for you or not. So what, what, what does that constituency role involve? 
Yeah, and that is really difficult. So this 70,000 figure, that is just people who are on the electoral register as well. So the actual number is closer to just over 100,000 people when you include um, children into that mix, for example. And you're elected and you represent everybody, but they all want something slightly different from you. There's a great range of opinions and views within that mix. Because uh, you've secured more votes, you are their elected representative and you have an obligation to do your best for all of those people. But it does take some balancing, making sure that you are there, listening to them all, taking on all of those views. You don't always, uh, you're not always able to satisfy everybody or necessarily always agree with everybody, but you've got a responsibility to be honest, open, transparent, listen, and be available for people who need you. So you are that voice for your local constituents in the House of Commons, but at a local level, we do a great deal of what we call casework. So that's where people locally contact you with an issue, with a problem, they need some help and support from you as their MP. We have lots of meetings, we call those surgery appointments, where people take us through their, their problems and we try and do what we can to help. And I have my little team, uh, sort of two caseworkers, a couple of other members of staff who support me with some of the policy work that I do predominantly in the House of Commons. And that really being available locally, uh, meeting with people is what is what the Halifax end of the job is all about. And uh, on the, a recent episode of the podcast, we spoke to Jane Scullion from Calderdale Council. Um, so how does your role link with the role and the responsibilities of the council? It's entirely separate, in all honesty. So as a, a Labour MP and it's a Labour-run council, those are my colleagues, we speak often, we recognise we've both got responsibilities in different ways to um, do what we can for the people across Calderdale and Halifax, in my case. But the, the procedures and our responsibilities are completely separate from each other. So those elected councillors represent wards, so the areas, bits of Halifax, and then they make up the sort of decision-making body of Calderdale Council. I am sent directly to the House of Commons in Westminster um, where MPs debate and discuss new pieces of legislation, new laws and have a vote on whether they should come into effect or not. So at a local level we do work closely together but in terms of our responsibilities and processes they're actually completely separate. Now you're a member of the Labour Party, you were elected as a Labour Party MP. Does that in any way con contradict or go against this responsibility for representing the whole constituency of Halifax? And, and that is a constant challenge and a question that you ask yourself as an MP. When you ask people to elect you, you can't say what you would do in every possible scenario. So you have to really just talk about your values, what your principles are, and ask people to trust you that you will make the right decisions on their behalf as different pieces of legislation, different situations unfold in front of you. So you go into that election saying, I'm standing on uh, a Labour Party manifesto, so this is all the policies uh, that we would deliver, this is what we believe in, I am a candidate belonging to that party because I share those values, and so if you vote for me, really that is what you're going to get. Once you've been elected, as you said, you've got responsibility to uh, stand up for and represent everybody, no matter whether they voted for you or not, if they're on the electoral register or not, 
And sometimes those most vulnerable people in our society who need the most help might not be politically engaged. They might not be old enough to be registered to vote. So you have responsibility to them, perhaps even more so. So I've never been in a position where being a member of the Labour Party has been in conflict with um, representing those people locally. They may not share my views or want me to do something different, but so often in a democracy, I've got a justification for saying, well, this is why, so long as I'm transparent in explaining all of that. Um, and you've got to take some confidence from that in how you go about your business as an MP, really. Now, what a lot of people will see in terms of the role of an MP is the Houses of Parliament and the Chamber of the Houses of Parliament. How much time do you spend there in, in, in an average week, if there is such a thing as an average week? Yeah, and it very much depends on the different types of business and legislation that you've got on. So the House of Commons Chamber with the green benches that you might see at, at PMQs, that is what so often people think um, Parliament and the House of Commons is. And that is the House of Commons, but in... Uh, Parliament, we've got the House of Lords, we've got the House of Commons. Around that, there's all the select committees, so that's where um, MPs on a cross-party basis come together to scrutinise different pieces of legislation. You've got all-party parliamentary groups where you do something very similar. There's lots of meeting spaces. So the chamber bit, where you see those debates, is only one element of, of what's going on in Parliament at any one time as well, so it's worth bearing that in mind. But usually I have to be in Westminster on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, some Thursdays, some Fridays, but I can often be in Halifax on Thursdays, Fridays and then over the weekend to try and balance those two elements of the job, being there in London to be our voice for Halifax, but you can't be that voice without being here and listening and being out and about in your constituency. So yeah, it's a constant balance to try and do both parts of the job and do them well. You mentioned PMQs there, so that's Prime Minister's Questions, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Which is probably the, the highest profile uh, part of, of Parliament. So do you always go to Prime Minister's <laughs> Questions and, and hear what, what Boris Johnson at the moment has to say? In all honesty, I don't always go. I don't think it's a very good showcase for politics at its best. It's the juicy bit that you quite often see on the news because um, it's not politics at its best, it's quite raucous, it's uh, lots of people in disagreement, not always reflecting in the best of behaviours that you'd see in a professional environment, I'm afraid to say. Quite often passions uh, are running high and people have very strongly held views. Um, but it's not where some of that really good work happens. There is the scrutiny of legislation. There is the quite detailed work on a cross-party basis to find solutions to issues that takes place in some of those committee rooms or meeting rooms. Now, some of that work is quite boring to watch as well. That's politics at its best, but it's not the sort of stuff you're going to see on the news. So if you have the opportunity to get a question at PMQs, that is a really big deal, to have the chance to ask the Prime Minister a question on behalf of your constituents. And the way that works is it's essentially a raffle, it's a ballot, you put your name in every week and if you're lucky you might get drawn out and that tends to happen only once every one or two years. So it's a big deal to ask a question, but I'm afraid to say I don't think it's politics at its very best, but that's probably because politics at its very best is, is a bit dull to watch. 
So just following up on that, so you, you have had questions that Prime Minister's questioned. What, what sort of things have you asked on behalf of uh, your constituency? So I think in the last, uh, it's coming up to seven years since I've been an MP. So I asked the question, um, I think I've had three or four questions and I asked the first question around policing. It's a big part of my local casework that people want to see more police officers on our streets and they want to feel safer. I've asked questions about trains, train times, train connections that are rail services really, really need improving in this area. Um, I've asked questions about flooding before, which is something that very much affects Calderdale as well. So those are some of those big issues that are constantly a focus for you as an MP. So when you get a chance to ask a PMQ, it tends to be on those types of issues. And. I'm interested in the um, this idea of working across parties as well and, and working on some of these local issues. So I, I assume that, for example, you would work with neighbouring MPs to represent the broader area, regardless of what political party they belong to. Yes, you do. And uh, Craig Whitaker being my neighbouring MP for Calder Valley, as an example, we've got uh, very different and strongly held views on a whole range of things but when it comes to um, flooding for example we've both you know got responsibilities to the people of Calderdale we'll always try and work together if we're making a case for more funding if we need support from central government or support with flood defences for example that's where you will always have um, a constructive level of dialogue where you can work together on things like that and then there's other issues that might not necessarily be local but policy led so we're a fair trade town here in Halifax and I co-chair the all party parliamentary group for fair trade and I co-chair that with Jason McCartney who's a conservative MB, MP for Combe Valley and um, we've got a sort of shared passion for promoting um, fairness through our trade policies in a way that uh, can, can lift people out of poverty in parts of the world where we've really got a moral obligation to do more in that sense. So that's where you can put some of your political differences to one side and work on those uh, single issues where you absolutely have got common ground. So this is some of the types of work that I say is really where the politics is done but might not be the most entertaining to watch on TV. So um, the Prime Minister has uh, what's called a cabinet of ministers, so members of his own party who uh, occupy the, the main offices of state and have specific responsibilities. In the, Lab the Labour Party are currently at least the opposition party. So how, how does the Labour Party uh, address some of those specialist areas that, uh, that the cabinet are responsible for? So that's right, and in government you have ministers and then the next level up from those ministers is those who are secretaries of state and they make up the Prime Minister's cabinet. We try and reflect that in the way we organise ourselves as the official opposition, so we have a shadow cabinet and shadow ministers. So we will look to mirror the responsibilities of those secretaries of state in government the challenge for us is that they have what we call a civil service. So all of those uh, really 
hard-working, dedicated people who are contracted to work really for the country and do the best job that they can, but they are given instruction and direction by those government ministers and the secretaries of state. But it does mean that there are often thousands of people working in those government departments to support the government in delivering its policies. When you are shadowing in opposition, you don't have anything like that same support. So you have to try and do all of that work to hold those ministers uh, to account, come up with your own alternative policies as well, but largely you're just doing that on your own. So that is quite a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of policy. We try and make sure that people in those roles have got some specialism, some expertise in that field, but that's not always the case. So I've been a shadow minister for different positions in opposition, uh, and quite often it's an awful lot of detail to bring yourself up to speed and make sure you're doing that job well. So currently I am the Shadow Minister for Security, so that's national security and things like counter-terror, um, protecting us from hostile state actors, some of the cyber crime and cyber attacks that go on online. So those are where I lead for the Labour Party on all of that policy area right across the country, in addition to my responsibilities to Halifax as a constituency. And I, I believe in the past you've also been involved with um, on the immigration side of things, which yeah, just to, to link uh, perhaps your responsibilities more closely to uh, to St Augustine's. So, so uh, how did you find that as, as a, a policy area to be involved in? Yeah, absolutely. So I've spent a lot of time, um, we say, on the front bench, and that's where you are a shadow minister, working in the home affairs team. So we effectively shadow the Home Secretary and the work that she and her ministers do in opposition. So I've been the Shadow Immigration Minister, I've been the Shadow Crime Reduction Minister and now the Shadow Security Minister. So those are all briefs, um, policy portfolios that sit within sort of the Home um, Affairs Department. Immigration is, um, you know, it's something that can potentially be controversial but actually shouldn't be. I was only speaking to a constituent earlier that for any country to thrive, for any economy to thrive, you've got to have the right skills and immigration has absolutely got to be a part of that. We've also got international obligations around protecting people and offering asylum to those who need it. So more recently we've had some um, difficult pieces of legislation put forward by the Conservative government, most recently the Nationality and Borders Bill that will introduce some significant changes to the way the asylum system works. So working with St Augustine's and, and lots of their brilliant members and those that they work with, trying to channel that lived experience of the asylum system into what will be changes in the legislation and changes in the way that all works. So I was very heavily involved in some of that type of work before moving on to the uh, security role, which is slightly different, but all of those briefs do, do fit together quite nicely in, in, in one way or another. Holly, thank you ever so much for your time. Uh, thank you for telling us about your life as an MP and also the, the, uh, the role of an MP in the government of the United Kingdom. It's an absolute pleasure and I am always keen to work with St Augustine's and all the brilliant work that they do and the people that make use of the centre. So thank you, Peter. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you.
Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some of the words and phrases from this episode and talk about them. I'm going to choose three phrases used in the interview with Holly Lynch. The first one, early on, she said, I had to decide whether I was going to throw my hat in the ring. That means she needed to decide whether she wanted to be part of the contest to become the candidate to become the MP for Halifax. Uh, Apparently this phrase originates from the sport of boxing where um, several hundred years ago now when somebody wanted to show that they wanted to be part of the boxing competition, they literally threw their hat into the ring, that's the boxing ring, to say, yes, I want to be involved in this contest. So for Holly, it was to say, yes, I want to um, compete with other people to become the candidate who will eventually, if I'm successful, become the MP for the area. The second one, she talked about uh, needing to bring yourself up to speed. And what that means is to get all the information that you need to be able to do something. So for her, she had taken on a specific role um, for the Labour opposition, the opposition party to the government, And she had to get up to speed to find all the information about that particular area of responsibility. Related to that, she talked about the idea of the shadow cabinet and of being a shadow minister. Obviously, you will probably know that a shadow normally is used in terms of the way in which the sun creates a shadow on the ground from a person or a thing. But in this case, it means to shadow can mean to follow somebody. In this case, she used the phrase to mirror, so to follow the same brief, the same area of responsibility as the minister that was part of the government. So she was a shadow who was looking after, for example, security, and she was following what the government minister for security was also doing, but she was doing it as somebody who is in opposition, so she would challenge and oppose things in that area, or sometimes support things in those area areas that the government was doing. You can shadow somebody in a job, and that means to follow them around and to find out Uh, how they do that job and sometimes people when they first get appointed to a job will be asked to shadow the person who is already doing that job before they take it over. That's it for this episode. I hope you found it useful. This podcast is brought to you by a team of volunteers from the St Augustine's Centre in Halifax, Yorkshire We are a charity that supports, in particular, asylum seekers, refugees and migrants. 
If you want to find out more about our work, including if you are able to, to donate and help us to continue this work, you can find that on our website. Also there, you can find the transcript, that is the written version, for this episode and all previous episodes of this podcast. So, our website is www.saintaugustinecentrehalifax.org.uk and I will spell that out. S-T-A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E-S-C-E-N-T-R-E-H-A-L-I-F-A-X dot org, O-R-G dot U-K. Thank you very much for listening. Keep practising your English and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Goodbye for now.